Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 179. This week on the show, I've got an awesome conversation with Charlie Bruno of the band Floor Space. Uh, If you guys aren't familiar with them, you definitely need to fucking do it. So get them on your radar. I had a great time talking with Charlie. We had a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. Um, And yeah, we kind of talked a little little bit about everything. Um, Kind of the initial formation of this project, a little bit of his history, and then diving into the new album, Maybe This Is It, which just dropped uh, a little over a week ago, almost two weeks ago now, as of the release of this. Um, and we talked about a lot of the songs on there, the context to a lot of the songs, and the content of the songs, such as mental health battles, um, you know, past relationships, eating fucking vegetables, the whole nine yards. We also talked about working with producer John Nacleiro again, and you guys are probably familiar with his work and just don't know his name. He's worked with bands like My Chemical Romance, Brand New, um, and countless others. So, again, just had a really good time talking with Charlie about life and this album and kind of what the next few months look like going into next year. Um... And I think it's going to be one that you guys, again, need to have on your radar. Floor Space is about to make some fucking major waves. It's just, you know, I think this album is what's going to kind of launch them into that conversation, the daily playlists, things like that. So let's dive into it. This is my conversation with Charlie Bruno of the band Floor Space. Well, uh, to kick things off, let's uh, start with the same boring-ass question that I start with every time. Simple <laughs> introduction, man. Who are you? And just a little background on yourself. Um, so my name's Charlie Bruno. Um, I play guitar and sing in a band called Floor Space. Um, we're like a punk rock band out of Pennsylvania. And yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for people that aren't familiar with Floor Space yet, somehow, you guys have a few albums out. You've been doing this for a minute. Mm-hmm. When did, like for you specifically, when did you realize music was it, right? Like there's always that pivotal moment, especially in the pop punk community of like, holy shit, this is where I want to go with my life. Yeah, it's pretty easy for me. I, I heard American Idiot um, when I was like nine, like eight or nine. And uh, yeah, I, I heard Holiday on the radio and that was like the pivotal moment of like, oh, I was already playing guitar actually, um, but I was playing like a lot of, um, oh shit, sorry. You're fine. Um, but I was playing like a lot of like classic rock stuff, like ACDC and everything like that. But then when I heard um, when I heard Holiday on the radio, I remember being with my mom and being like, oh, I could do that. Like that that's something that I could achieve and like get to at some point. That was like the pivotal, I can do that moment. Right. Um, so uh so yeah that's that's what it was for me that's a a huge record for me yeah and i mean a that made me really sad because you said you were like eight or nine when that song was on the radio and i (laughs) definitely was much older than that uh but (laughs) i do think you know it's interesting because like through the generations green day has been one of those bands that is super influential in this space and has remained that way you know like all the way back to Dookie, you know, American Idiot, 
all the way up to you know their newer stuff is still getting people to turn their heads and be like what what the fuck is going on over here yeah absolutely they're like the they're totally my my gateway drug into into punk rock and everything like that it was it's awesome and they changed my life and i never get tired of seeing that band either they're absolutely killer live band and they just they get they get better as they age it's insane like their live show gets better every time yeah yeah no it it's nuts you know i think they're one of those bands that are really as sad as it is they're kind of the exception to the rule right like they've been together for 25 30 years it's been the same dudes you know what i mean like and very little like i mean they've obviously taken breaks and they were forced to during covid and whatnot but like none of that bullshit of oh we're on a hiatus for the next seven years like no we're yeah. gonna make an album no yeah it's awesome yeah uh Great so fish. obviously with them influencing you into the the pop punk or the punk space um kind of walk me through you know being at that pivotal age, nine years old, realizing that maybe this is something that I can do. Um, how did that affect kind of your mentality moving forward through school and figuring out like the extracurriculars and things like that into like, was it a singular focus or did you have the backup plans? I really never had a backup plan, honestly. And I'm still I'm still struggling with that aspect of my life of like if this, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I've always this I've always taken this thing so seriously and always put it at the forefront and everything. And like, you know, when I was like nine and realized I could do it, I just started taking guitar more seriously. And then I got accepted when I was like 15, I got accepted into a performing arts high school. Um, and so I, I went there and, and just like learned from other kids that were playing like jazz stuff and everything. Um, but, um, it definitely made me a better player. And I also went to school with my two bandmates at the time. Um, so we were able to have like band practice during school hours and things like that. And that was awesome. It was very, very school of rock. It was, it was (laughs) fun. Um, like we weren't, we were definitely not allowed to be doing that, but we were just like working on songs and working on our records at like a young age during school hours. So, um, so that was good for me, for sure. Um, just getting to focus on, on music all, all the time. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's been hard for me to, to let anything else into my life. Like a real, like I, I, I work, um, I work as an Uber driver when I'm not like touring and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And, um, it, it's, I've been doing it for like five or six years, just cause like putting anything besides music and, and a full-time job in, into my life has always been at like, uh, I'm just, I would just rather do music and have a right. job where I do whatever, you know? So. Yeah. 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 I think it's, it's interesting too, that, you know, like even in today's hybrid situation with a lot of work, like it still isn't to the point, you know, I'm actually back on the job market myself currently Mm -hmm. um, for a day job. And like one of my kind of stipulations for the things I'm looking at is that hybrid environment, because like I go to far too many shows. I do these podcasts, like I need that freedom in my life and it's getting there. And now I'm finding positions that have that, but I think it's interesting that like, the world is looking at this still as kind of the corporate, you know, structure. And it's like, 
if it if COVID taught us one thing, it's that we don't have to sit in a fucking office anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And yeah. uh, and I don't want to ever do that. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, what I mean, we're only here once, man. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so walk us through. You know, you've looking over here at your Spotify. You've been dropping stuff. You know, as early as 2017, technically, but mm-hmm. moving forward from there, um, walk me through kind of the thought process on singles versus albums, EPs versus albums, things like that. We're in mm-hmm. such a digital age. What does it all mean for you when you're putting together those collections? Um, well, so we kind of did every record differently as far as release goes. Like the first record, we all we just put out one single called Judd Nelson, and then we put out the full record. Um, and actually, actually, same thing for Nothing Makes Sense, our record last year. Um, we just put out Jimmy was Jimmy and then we dropped the whole record kind of out of nowhere with no promo at all. Um, and then this time around was, was different. Um, I, I kind of picked like my three favorites, um, as far as, as far as singles went. Um, and, uh, or, or I guess, I guess just to say like my, what I thought were the three, three strongest as singles, you know, right. They're all, they're all kind of like my children in, in a way (laughs) and everything, but like, um, you know, I, I, I thought that I, I picked a good three to like attention grab people. And, um, and I also recorded, uh, maybe this is it in two parts, kind of, I recorded the first half of it last December. And then I came back, um, came back this summer to finish it. Uh, and I, I had planned out just while I was writing songs, like we're going to drop singles here. And this is the first time that the album has ever had like a team behind it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so they kind of helped me out. They listened to the album too. And they were like, okay, good job. You picked a good three. (laughs) So so that was cool. And, and it definitely helped the now, you know, when you mentioned this age of like streaming and, and stuff like that, it it kind of helps hype up a record when you can put out singles and tease it for a little bit. Um, yeah. as opposed to the other two times that we did it where we just released it with no promo or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It it's interesting to me because I, I noticed that, you know, obviously looking back through the stuff and just kind of the formation, I think a lot of of artists nowadays are leaning away from the album concept because the attention span is so short nowadays, right? Like totally. you're, you're not getting the same attention as you used to. I mean, again, aging myself, I remember going to, you know, FYE, Sam Goody, whatever, and buying CDs. Uh, I still go to FYE. I love FYE. Yeah. Yeah. They closed the one that was close to me. So that sucks. But yeah. But like, you know, I I think back then it was, it's tangible. So like, if I put it in my CD player, I'm going to listen to the whole thing. Yeah. And streaming has made it so much easier to be like, I'm not digging this skip. And it's like, but but maybe you just didn't understand it yet, or you caught it out of context. Like right. the whole, for me, I don't know if this is intentional for you or in, in your mind as you arrange it, but like, I'm a big stickler about at least the first couple of times you listen to an album, it has to be front to back. Mm-hmm. So I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, like when you go through picking singles, 
like you said, obviously you're looking for the ones that can stand on their own as well, mm-hmm. but how important is it to kind of make sure that they tell the album's story in that single? Yeah, I mean, I also, the one thing that I really, oh my God, shut up. <laughs> um, but again, the one thing that I uh, that I really didn't want to do was I, I wanted to make sure that none of the singles were the album opener. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause like, I, I, like you said about like listening to an album front to back, I think when an album comes out, it's so important to have that first track be a new, fresh thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I, that's why spine was like a new, a, a good first track for the, for the record and everything like that. And, um, you know, with having easier and then, um, smile while it's ending and, and then self-destruct out, I thought that all three of those thematically, kind of showed where the record was going um right. and and that that's that's why I picked those especially self-destruct when we recorded self-destruct I was like we gotta people need to hear this one before they hear anything else just to just to get the vibe you know right yeah so yeah um you said earlier that you you kind of recorded it in two parts was that an intentional like I know that I want that break in it or was it a not to get into the gross side of the business, but I don't have the money to do all the songs at one time. So we're going to, you know, take that break. What was that like for you? It was, um, so I intentionally was just going to do another EP. I wasn't going to do a full length record. Um, so the five songs that I did in December, um, we were just going to release them all as singles. And, um, we were just going to put out a, 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 like a five song thing at the end of it. Um, but then, and I definitely, you mentioned the, the financial side of it. I definitely didn't have money to record a full length all at once. Um, so, uh, I, it took me probably like a month or two to realize I had other songs in my system that I wanted to all put as one collection. Yeah. Um, and so, and then I just kind of like, you know, worked my ass off to get studio time again and and went back and then realized we had before we knew we had 10 songs and i was like okay this is the longest record that i've made now and uh and it feels good it feels awesome yeah and it's a a really solid record i think from front to back um i think the thing that that really stuck out to me to your point you know spine is is a song that i think has the energy if if people aren't familiar right like it sets the tone for energy. It's got hooky lyrics. I think it's one of those songs that even out of context, people are going to be like, I need to go see what this is all about. You know what I mean? It, it's going to draw them in to see it. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so, man. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about, so one thing I don't do anymore is I don't ask the specifics on any one song because I don't want to take away the meaning for anybody. Okay. Um, so like, the the example I always give people on that is there's a episode of like the Kelly Clarkson show where she's got Dave Grohl on and they're talking about the song learn to fly. And she thinks it's this like super profound thing, you know, like almost like a spiritual song. Right. And she's going on and on about it. And Dave sit there and he goes, okay, okay. You know, that song's literally just about me wanting to learn how to fucking fly a plane. Right. Like (laughs) that's it. It just, it had no other meaning. And he's like, I'm so glad you got that out of it. But for me, it was, I wanted to get my pilot's license. And, you know, so thinking back about some of the songs and whatnot, it's like, 
I don't want to take away if somebody's like, oh man, this is going to get me through my breakup or whatever. And then you're like, nope, I had a shitty cheeseburger that day. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, especially when it comes to me, because I, what I write is very, very blunt and very tongue in cheek. And like, that's right. what it is. So yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so as you, you worked through the album, let's talk about kind of that process, right? So the songwriting process for you, what does that look like? Is it lyrics before, before sounds? Is it sounds and trying to weave in melodies? How does that work? Um, it really depends on the song. I, I feel like lyrics are a lot of times a secondary thing for me. Um, and I've kind of write, I kind of write the first minute of songs um and then I usually show it to like my bass player or 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 like my mom or dad or something like that and I'm like is this cool and then it like I like I'll keep going on an idea there there's very few times where I write a full song all at once I usually will like hang on to the first or I'll have a voice memo that's like the first 30 seconds of an idea um whether it's just the music or or music and lyrics on an acoustic guitar or something like that um, and then, yeah, I, I usually add on to it later. Um, and that, that's, that's usually how it goes. I mean, I write all the songs in my basement here. Um, and I have like, you know, the whole classic whiteboard situation right. where I throw <laughs> all the ideas on there and it looks insane to anyone that it doesn't look like English to anyone right. else, but, but to me, it makes total sense. Like, yeah. like Charlie from it's always sunny. That's exactly um, what I was getting ready to reference. Yeah. Like, so, uh, yeah, but it, it's, uh, it's just how I, how I've always done things. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think, I think, you know, obviously the, the thing is uh, to me writing the, the soundscape of a song I can find words to fit that, but trying to shoehorn sounds, you know, whatever sonically into lyrics, it's like, oh, you, you can almost tell, right? Like mm -hmm. this feels like you already knew what you wanted to say. And now you're just trying to make the music say that too. Totally. And I've run into that problem before and it just, it just feels like an unfinished thought at that point. Yeah. 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 Brutal. Uh, so for you on this album, what was the, the song that was easiest to write and what one was hardest to write? Oh, wow. Um, I feel like the easiest ones to write were um, like the kind of like hookier songs, like self-destruct. As soon as I came up with that baseline, I, I knew where I wanted to go with with the song and everything same with spine spine was like a very um you know i i i came up with the hook in my head and uh the riff came to me very easily and it it just kind of like all meshed together hardest songs were the songs like dibs where there are things like a sax solo on it mm -hmm. and like very because that that was like that was originally a guitar solo and then i realized i wanted to have my buddy plays sax on the song and it's also about my ex-girlfriend so of course i want it to sound perfect you know what right. I mean? like you know like yeah i want it, i want it to be that attention gravity song that like is a, if i'm gonna write about this person i want to do it justice and um that was like a i, I also was kind of paying homage to my other music preferences and and stuff and i really wanted to write like kind of a more john mary song and and have it be dynamic musically and and everything so that that was 
that was probably the hardest just and, and also thematically like writing about yeah. something like that is is difficult anytime so so yeah that was those were probably the the easiest and hardest for me yeah the uh it's funny you bring up the sax solo because that's something i wanted to touch on as well uh don't get me wrong i'm here for it but what is with pop punk right now um <laughs> alter- any sort of alternative music it feels like but pop punk especially has been adding in that sax you know you've got uh chunk no captain chunk has it in a couple songs now you've got capstan who has it in a few songs like uh-huh. what is it that is drawing people into the sax or broadening the the musical scope of what traditional pop punk is that's a really broad question i know <laughs> no it's fine I, I totally um they uh so for me i i've spent five years um in a band called Keep Flying um, that has sax and trombone in the band. And so the guy that played uh, sax, I, I, I left that band in 2021 um, to focus more on floor space and do my own thing and stuff. But I still love those guys and we've always wanted to, to work together on songs still. So um, that was that was how the sax ended up. Like I'm, I'm OG sax in pop punk, I guess. Yeah. So, um, so I, I hit up my old, my old sax player and had him come into the studio the one day and he fucking crushed it. It was, it was awesome. And like I said, it was a guitar solo before then that I was really stoked on. Um, and, but then when I realized it had that space there in the song, um, I wanted to kind of go back to my roots a little bit and yeah. add a little sax in there. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I'm here for it. Like I love what Capstan's done and all these guys that have have incorporated it it's just Mm -hmm. so funny to me because now it's like if you look back into old pop punk you had some some weird stuff like that from time to time especially when you get into the ska punk and whatnot um but it's just interesting because like it kind of died out for a long time and green day was the format right you have a green day and blink you had a a drummer a bassist and a guitarist and that was it that's your punk rock and it's like there's so much more fucking depth here. Like, let's really build it. Totally. Even even Green Day. I mean, like they have the that couple songs in the set where uh, what's his name? I think his name's Jason Freeze. Um, mm-hmm. comes out and and does the the sax parts and everything like that. Yeah. And like that shit is so sick. Or like I've seen um, there uh, there was a guy that came out. Uh, I think his name's Justin Bartlett that uh came out to play sax with Turnstile when I saw him in Asbury Park, and yeah. that was incredible you know like that that mesh can be really cool yeah. i think it can be overdone for sure I, I i think that there there are certain records that that have horns on the entire record for me that just don't need horns on the entire record yeah. um but then when it when it comes out tastefully just a little bit here and there and you sprinkle in that that magic there i think it's awesome yeah and i think i think that's the key to it right like not you not necessarily novelty in that sense of the word but it has to be just that little taste of it like you don't yes. you don't need to stuff it down people's throat like just give them that little taste so that they're going ooh what was that that's fun like yeah totally yeah yeah um let's talk a little bit about the kind of uh quote unquote famous part of your your song here where you're learning to get over your fears, like eating fucking vegetables. Uh, <laughs> so it's in the press releases and all sorts of shit. You knew I had yep. to ask. So talk, talk through that a little bit. Like, obviously it's it's on the nose, right? 
but it's also a little deeper than truly just eating vegetables. Yes. Yeah, it, it is definitely like there are, I'm a guy that um, likes to like ask people to name vegetables or fruits and I'll tell you the ones that I've just never had in my entire life because that's how I am with food. <laughs> um, so I am very, to put it very bluntly, like I, I try, trying new vegetables is a hard thing for me. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> trying anything, I'm also just a person that hates change and and hates, you know what I mean? Um, trying, trying new things is hard for me and, and everything. So I wanted to refer to that as kind of my, like, you know, I refer to a lot of childhood trauma on this record, whether it's like Catholic school stuff or like, um, you know, depressive episodes that I've had and everything like that. And so, um, you know, it, uh, the vegetables thing was a good kind of like, um, icon i guess for yeah. like the whole trying new things and and everything not not enjoying change per se yeah no and i i loved it i think you know it, it is a a great way because it's i think a fairly common thing i'm 38 years old i like corn i like <laughs> you know what i mean like i there's like four vegetables that i'm like yeah i'll fuck with that yeah i don't i'll do. fuck with corn corn i can do yeah but, but like there's some that I'm just like, I absolutely will not eat that. No, like I've got friends and family that are like, oh, you you should get asparagus with your steak. Fuck no. Mm-mm. Fuck Won't no. Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, not for <laughs> me. So I'm with you. Like, you know, we'll we'll meet up sometime, go get a steak and and not have fucking vegetables. We'll do yeah, you know, anti-asparagus <laughs> crew for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's your next t-shirt idea right there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to touch on, you know, some of that mental health side of stuff too, because it is apparent throughout the album. What's it like for you? You know, obviously pop punk, it's kind of coined as the mental health depressed kid type stuff. A lot of times, mm-hmm. even when it's upbeat and whatnot, but what's it like for you writing about that sort of stuff? and trying to put it in that perspective of, you know, this is a thing that happened. It not necessarily is the thing that defines me, but it's something that needs to be discussed. Uh, I think that it's always been kind of like as much for me as it is for the listener, as cliche as that sounds, you know, like I, when I was like 16, bands and and the the men and women that that play in bands um you know were and what they were writing about mental health wise and everything for me that was what got me through things you know um and I always you know like acknowledged that when I met my favorite people in bands and or when I was playing shows with them, when I was opening shows and anything like that, even, even to the point where like, I've gotten better at this at age, but like that, that's a hard thing to talk about when you, when you go up to someone in a band and you're like, you really got me through this thing. Like there's a way to do it. And then there's a way to not do it. And when I was younger, I would definitely do it the wrong way. And now I'm just kind of like, Hey man, that really, that really helped me through some shit. But when people come up to me and say in any way, like it just makes me want to write about it more and be more vulnerable with it because there's a lot of people out there that don't hear it as honestly in songs as it should be. Like there, there are really big artists that write about 
being depressed or being suicidal or medication or, or and that whole realm of things, but they do it in such a like G rated way. And, and like, I really didn't want this album to be that like easier yeah. is completely a song about being um, hospitalized, you know, and, yeah. and I'm very open about that. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't want people to be uncomfortable because it is an upbeat record, even when you're writing about things like that and stuff. But I just wanted it to be um, honest. And I, I, if there's any kid that hears it and is like, oh, okay, he's been there. I'll I'll tell him about that the next time I see him. I think that's fucking cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I'm I'm very much the same. I mean, again, 38 years old, so growing up with you know, Green Day, Bayside, Hawthorne Heights back in the day, things like that where, you know, you started hearing these trends really becoming more prominent and I think, you know, there's a, a line in a Bayside song where he says, I'm the voice of the depressed, or at least that's what everyone expects. And mm -hmm. I think that fits pop punk slash emo, whatever, perfectly. And especially for Anthony, like he was kind of coined or designated the depressed guy, you know, like if you are sad, go listen to Bayside. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's important, like you said, because hearing those messages as I was growing up, got me through a lot of shit as well and you know it's one of those I've had family I've had friends that are like I don't get how you listen to that sad shit or you know that song sounds super angry whatever and I'm like yeah but that song is talking about the stuff that I've been through too and if they yeah. can make it through that I can make it through that mm -hmm. absolutely man yeah there's that's why I mean I just think that it's it's so important to be vulnerable and honest in in writing in in general because when you're not it's like who are you doing it for yeah yeah and you know you you made the comment earlier too about it's as much for you as it is the listener and it does sound kind of you know cliche or whatever but i think that's the beautiful thing about music right like art in general while it's being created it's for the person that is creating it right like you as a songwriter as you're writing the song, it's only for you because that song may never see the light of day. But yeah. The second you turn it over to the public to view, like it's everybody's and everybody can do whatever they need to do with it. Um, apply it to whatever piece of their life is, is needing it or whatever. Um, and it's this really cool thing that I think gets overlooked a lot of times or maybe underappreciated a lot of times that while, you know, I'm, it may be somebody's favorite song and that's great, but if they never tell the artist, not necessarily why it's their favorite song, but that it helped, did it really, you know what I mean? Does the artist understand the, the power of that word? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think it's important as, as an artist to, like, like I said, like, kind of like be receptive and never lose sight of like how cool that is. Like, I'll totally, I'll totally throw this person under the bus. I don't care. Um, I, I was really young and I was a big Wonder Years fan and I met, um, the singer of the Wonder Years and told him how much the music like meant to me and everything like that. And in a very like 30 second type yeah. way, like, Hey man, your, your, your music like really got me through some shit. And he was just like, I just write the songs. And I was like, you know what? 
that wasn't that cool of a fucking response. <laughs> like, I I remember yeah. being like, I I remember being like, if I'm ever in that position, I will talk to someone and and be like, hey man, that's actually what I'm trying to achieve. You know what I mean? Like, I'm trying yeah. to help through that shit. I'm not trying to be someone's therapist or anything like that. But um, if it can serve as that, like you said, like if they got through it, I can get through it type of thing. Like, I I really I want that out of out of the listener just as much as. I want to write the songs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, A, that sucks a little bit because I really like the Wonder Years, but I understand <laughs> yeah. it as well. And Great who band. knows? Great band, just weird interaction. <laughs> yeah. And, and that it could have absolutely just been that you caught him at the wrong time on the wrong night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, no, no shade or anything here. But I think it is important too, like you said, there's the whole presenting it the wrong way as well from a, a fan to the artist standpoint um you know i've talked to several artists and it's like don't get me wrong i i want to hear your story but we just met and you're trauma dumping everything that you've been through on me and i'm just not ready for that you know yeah yeah yeah. so i've gotten that before too i've gotten i've gotten those where i have to be like holy i just learned everything about this person and i get it as an uber driver as well i get it at work all the time i bet I bet like, especially, yeah, I assume that you're doing, you know, to and from airport or hotels or whatever, a lot of times. And it's like, okay, bro, like, cool. We're here. Like, (laughs) yeah, dude, sometimes, yeah, you'll pull up to a place and the person wants like an extra 10 minutes and you're like, I'm not getting paid for this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's nuts for sure. Uh, let's talk a little bit about working with, uh, John on this album. Sure. So you worked with, um, from John, he's worked on my chemical romance, brand new, uh, obviously iconic names in, in this scene. What was it like for you to kind of approach him and go, please work on my stuff and get a yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, he's the best. He's (laughs) one of my favorite people in the entire world. Um, and, uh, we had, we worked on nothing makes sense together, uh, and just had a blast doing it. And I, when I'm at Nada studios, I feel it's like in the woods, it's, it's away from everything. There's like, no, unless you're hooked onto the Wi-Fi, like no one can get a hold of you and it's just great. And, uh, you know, he, he has so many good ideas just as far as, you know, he's a killer guitar player, um, and just, just musician overall. So any idea that he has that's like, maybe we should throw that in there is something I completely listen to. Like there, right. there's a lot of people that I've worked with and been in bands with that I, I show them an idea and they're like, I don't really know where you're going with that. And I'm like, you don't really get it. Um, but with John, if like he doesn't get it, I'm probably not going to use it. <laughs> like, right. Because I just, he's, he's done so many things that just impacted me at such a young age and um he's worked with so many people and and like you know you you walk through his studio and you can just see um such a a level of like care in in everything that he does when whether it comes to whether it comes to mixing or he's he's amazing with mastering um and he's mastered some of like the biggest songs in the entire world um so yeah, he he's just he's so supportive and like he he acts when it comes to trauma dumping. That guy has heard everything <laughs> from me, 
that guy is hurt. That guy knows more about me than my fucking therapist does probably. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, he's, he's the man and he's been in the game for so long. So I, I really have no plans of, um, of not working with John Nicolario. <laughs> I really yeah. like any, anything that he wants to do. Um, I'm down um, because that guy fucking rules. And I, I definitely plan on making more records with him for sure. Yeah. But I, I think it's always interesting, obviously, when you connect with your your producer and um, mixing and mastering, being able to have that relationship is is super important because you want your voice to be heard. It's your album after all. Mm. But when you hook up with someone like John and he goes, hey, bud, that doesn't work. It's like, okay, that probably really doesn't fucking work. Like, let's, yes. let's go over here. And he, I've not, you know, talked to him or anything, but I'm sure like just based on his body of work, like he's not shooting down an idea just to be a dick about it or like to prove that he knows more than you or anything. It's like, no, if this is going to be the quality of thing that you want it to be, this is how we get there. Yeah, he, he wants um, the record to be, just as good as as I do um which is you know why I think this record came out so strong and it was also awesome just being you know this is a band that operates kind of um the, the only things I didn't play on the record were uh drums and that sax part everything else was yeah. me um and so uh with that being said there were only like two days in the whole two weeks of the studio where anyone else was in there all the other days were just me and john yeah. um and so you learn a lot about each other when you're just working on a record as kind of like that that duo type of thing as producer and musician and you know we were just throwing things in there all the time and just you know just meshing it was awesome yeah yeah no and i think you know it's one of those especially having that much focused time, right? Like you said, you you learn things, but you start picking up things too that, okay, well now when I come to him with the next set of songs, I'm already going to have these three things plugged in because I know that's the direction that we're going to go. And, you know, mm -hmm. whether that's as simple as what fucking chords you're playing, you know, like, are you drop tuned or not? Like, sometimes it's that simple to know and sometimes it's going to be the super complex shit of, I just don't have the equipment at home to record this the right way. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's the other thing too. When you mentioned like having the equipment at home, like I, this, um, I'm in like my parents' basement right now and like, they let me kind of take half of this room and make it into like a demo space and everything, mm -hmm. but I don't have the tools to make it sound as big or, or anything that we can do at NADA. It's like, completely completely different animal yeah. of recording um but anytime he's also a guy that anytime he hears my demos that are recorded down here um he gets where i'm trying to go with it and he can kind of hear the whole picture before i even do which is yeah awesome. because sometimes you show people demos and they're like this is dog shit and you're like no 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 no, no. i promise when we bring it to the <laughs> actual studio it will hang sound like a song <laughs> like yeah. but uh but yeah john if the idea is there, he, he gets it. And that's, that's cool to have that kind of like, it's like being able to speak a, a different language with someone. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Cause I, I was in a group chat with a, a few of my friends a while back and one of the guys was pitching some new music and whatnot. And it's clearly demo work, 
But mm-hmm. one of our friends was like, bro, did you record this on your phone? Like, why does it sound like shit? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm sitting back in this group chat, like, oh, he, A, he doesn't get it. But B, I don't care if we're friends or not. Don't like straight dogged him. And I'm like, <laughs> so I finally chime in and I'm like, hold on, man. Like, imagine this though. And I, you know, sent back a, uh, I don't remember whose song it was. It might've been a Bayside song or something, but I'm like, it's going to be like this, you know? And yeah. the buddy that was demoing, it was like, that's exactly the mindset I'm going for. I just have no fucking acoustic panels in the room. You know what I mean? Stupid stuff like that, that totally. I can't make yeah. it sound right in a demo. Um, and it, you know, it comes with, comes with uh, time and, and experience on a lot of that for, even for John, I'm sure like, you know, obviously the first two things he probably ever produced probably are nowhere near anything he's done in the last three, four or five years. You know what I mean? Like everybody learns and everybody grows. Yeah. I mean, even if you, if you watch the videos, he, he's got a great, um, a great video with footage of him doing the My Chemical Romance record. Um, I brought you my bullets like in his parents' basement and everything. And you can just tell yeah. that the original setup of not a studio is, is so like minuscule compared to what, where he's at now. Um, so yeah, it's, it's awesome being there, man. I, I, and I, he's also just a guy that like checks in with me to see like on a personal level, he like right. sees how I'm doing and everything. And that that's huge to have with anyone in this industry. Cause there's yeah. so many fake motherfuckers in this industry, like, to, yeah. to put it so bluntly, like, but so. It, it's absolutely true. You know, like the, the thing with the music industry, as great as it can be, mm. it can be infinitely worse. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can like John, amazing, great human being. There's nine guys that are on the opposite end of the spectrum of John in the music industry. Yeah. For every one of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. We talk about it all the time with like when we're working together, it's so, it's so comfortable and things like that because he's gone through, he's been in the game for so long that he's recorded some true shitheads that yeah. are that have like done crazy stuff. It, you know, like, and I just am happy to be there and everything. So, um, you know, it's, it's good to be a good dude, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of the moral of, of pop punk nowadays, right? Like it's good to be a good dude. Like that's yeah, just it. try to be a good dude. I don't know. Yeah. It, what, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, kind of as we transition towards the end here, what's kind of the the plan? You know, the album just dropped. You just finished off of uh, looks like three different release shows. Kind of what's the plan for the remainder of 2023 and moving into 2024 for you? So um, there's going to be, we're going to try to play a couple shows like holiday shows um, around Christmas and everything like that. We're probably not going to go too far um, just yet because we're setting up things for like end of winter, spring of next year. There's some really cool tours that we're doing next year that I can't talk about yet, but like it's going to be awesome. Um, And so that's exciting. And just, you know, we're a band that has done a lot of, um, I don't know how to put it, a lot of really last minute touring um, and and last minute touring, especially post COVID is really not beneficial for anyone. So that's right. why that's why you see like a lot of these tours being announced for like 
months ahead of when you usually see it announced. Like every, they want it to be good and we have to promote the show and stuff like that. So that's why we're kind of um, chilling out and seeing where the record goes for the rest of the year. I'm also working on like the vinyl release for the record, which will hope, uh, hopefully happen like by spring of next year. It takes a while to get a record pressed and everything. It's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're going to work on that and, um, just, you know, I'm going to keep pushing the record and keep doing stuff like this and, and everything. I, I'm just trying to get as many people to hear it as possible. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, the, the whole vinyl thing is absolutely bananas for people that don't understand, like between Taylor Swift and like Adele, when she dropped her last one, Beyonce dropped her last one, like the vinyl industry went totally fucking obscene with all that stuff. Like they cannot yeah. keep up. Yeah. We just did a um, hundred copies of, uh, of our, our last record. Nothing makes sense. Um, we did it with a, a store in the Lehigh Valley PA here called spin me round. And even just those hundred copies, like we, we had to jump through hoops to like get it made yeah. you know and everything and it was it was really hopefully it's not that that hard this second time around for us making the the new uh the new vinyl but uh yeah it's it's a whole it's a whole beast to conquer for sure of get, yeah. getting the record and people don't realize it when they're like buying a record at a merch table and everything like that it's like no we worked really hard to get the money yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. well and and not to mention vinyl's fucking expensive like mm -hmm. Black wax isn't terrible, but if you're doing any sort of colored variant, holy shit, like it yep. gets pricey fast. Yeah, totally. If you're, if you're adding in like the lyric sleeve, it's, it adds a yeah. whole, it's, it's crazy, man. Yeah. It's nuts. Mm -hmm. Um, so I refuse to think of better ending questions. So I bought this game called hot takes and it's just like funny or shitty, uh, opinions. And so we're going to do two of the, two or three of these real quick. Yeah, uh, let's do it. The first one, I think I know your answer, and it's funny that it came up. Uh, trauma makes you funnier. Is this a true or false? It Like, yeah, it's like a do you agree, do you not agree, and like a little bit of why. Oh, definitely true. Um, yeah. 100%. <laughs> like, yeah. Trauma definitely makes me funnier. Um, I think that I, I'm a guy that, uh, needs to, to go through shit to keep writing and everything like that. And I'm also a guy that, um, is, is very, like I said, very tongue in cheek when I write. And, um, you know, I, I have things that I like to be honest about with the trauma and everything. And I like to be very blunt about it. And if we can make jokes about it, that's even fucking better. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, that's that's absolutely how I see it. Like, I think I think trauma, those of us that have been through, especially like more serious traumas and whatnot, I think it it shocks people when we joke about it because they're like, holy fuck, that's dark. But yeah. to, the, those of us that have been through trauma, we're like, yeah, that's what makes it fucking funny. Like, yeah, yeah, we exactly. have to laugh about it. We can't just take it as it is anymore. Yeah, there's uh, <laughs> a there's a line on uh on on track four of the record. There's a, a song called Ricochet, and um I, I that's a, totally a song about addiction and stuff like that. And um John thought it was hilarious because I have a, a line in there just that where I say rock bottom baby, 
<laughs> and like he was like that is the best like, like so yeah i've been i've been very jokey about about the trauma in my days yeah, yeah you gotta be yeah. uh the next one is that water is wet yeah water's wet okay. for sure there's, there's people that claim that if you're like if you're in water are you wet yeah right like that's my view on it i don't yeah. get how people would- say it the opposite way what else would you be? I don't know. Yeah, water's <laughs> wet. Yes, for sure. Yeah, that, that's my opinion as well. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's go. Cut this one real quick here. Shift through, and let's go with um, dark chocolate is better than milk chocolate. Oh no way! Yeah, <laughs> there's no way. I actually, when I was a kid, and like. Like, okay, it's Halloween tomorrow. Like I, I, when I would go out and accidentally snag like dark chocolate from places, I would be pissed, dude. Yeah. Like that shit would, I would bite into it and be like, no. Yeah. Like, that's the worst is when you don't realize that it's a dark chocolate until you take that bite and you're like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. It's harsh. It's like coffee with like, no, like cream or sugar or anything like that, which some people fuck with, but I, I don't know if, if you're not ready for it, it's like, mm. Yeah, I I uh I don't do dark chocolate. I mean, no. It's no. All right, last one and I think this is funny because of your Ubering. Uh okay. elderly people should be required to retake the driver's test. Dude, I say <laughs> this I say this all the time like I, I yes, all yes, 100%. If I would even set it at like not even elderly like I think once you hit like 60, like let's just make you take it like every five years after that or something like that, because there are people on the road. So a couple months ago, um, there was, I was in traffic with my dad and uh, we were coming back from someplace. There was this long, long line of cars. And I finally was sitting there and I was like, what is causing this traffic and everything? I got out of the car and I looked in front of, of this line of cars and there was just a car stopped. And I walked up and this old man was just asleep at the wheel and just, it was a one lane road. Yeah. So just caused traffic and everyone just sat there for like 20 minutes and everything. And I was (laughs) like, how is this guy allowed to, yeah, dude, that one is like completely, and people should, elderly people shouldn't be like, um, okay. I shouldn't say they shouldn't be allowed to use Uber because I get that we we need to let them use Uber and everything like that. But like, there should be some way of like some sort of program that they need to go through like before actually calling an Uber because the amount of people that put in the wrong address or like send it to wrong places. And Oh my God, it's, it's insane. Yeah. But like, I mean, I've seen tons of those videos too, whether they're old or not, like they put in the wrong address sometimes to try to cheat the system and whatnot too, obviously, Mm -hmm. but like put in the wrong address and it's like, well, I didn't, this isn't where I'm trying to go. Tough shit. That's where you put the ride. Yeah. That's what that, you put in. Like, yeah. That's it. Like done. Yeah. Uh, I, I totally agree. I think whether it's 60 or elderly, whatever we're considering elderly, like at some point retaking the driver's test has to fucking happen because yeah, like literally just today I was running errands and just a two lane road, right? Mm-hmm. One going one way, one going the other this lady pulls out of a driveway and is literally like 
a third of her car is across the center line into my fucking lane for like as she's coming towards me for probably like a half mile and i'm like so i start slowing down and shit and trying to move over a little she finally moves all the way into her lane this lady had to be like 80 fucking four years old like yeah still driving just like no bro (laughs) yeah come on she's up on the wheel like right here looking over and stuff and i'm like jesus christ get out of my way my my grandmother when she was alive she she didn't drive her entire life because she was she was in an accident when she was like super young or like learning to drive or something yeah. like that it scarred her for like her entire life everything but i i always said i was like imagine if she fucking did like, yeah. like <laughs> it would be bad yeah well so, i think i think too especially like i know there's some rules around it but I think your medical record should play a small factor in it as well. Like if you have early onset Alzheimer's or dementia, maybe fall fall asleep at the wheel disorder. Yeah. Yeah. Like a narcolepsy (laughs) or something like, come on, like at some point we gotta, we gotta try to be safer with some of that stuff because who knows what could have happened with that anyway. Yeah. yeah, No, I, (laughs) I'm sure we'll get some people that don't agree with us, but fuck them. Uh, they're not driving in the right places to know. They haven't been where we've been, bro. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So kind of the, the traditional outro here is I'm going to give you the floor. Obviously I'll link all the, uh, the socials and all that, but where can people find you? What's the best way to interact with you online? Things like that. Yeah. Um, we are floor space rocks, um, on Instagram and Twitter and all that jazz. And, um, the album is streaming uh, on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever, pretty much wherever you listen to music. Um, we're going to be announcing tour dates probably before the end of the year um, for for next spring and and stuff like that. And the best way to to keep up to date with that is just like our Instagram and and everything. So awesome. uh, I I really, if anyone's listening to this, you know, I I put everything that i have creatively financially everything into this record so if you like um punk rock music alternative rock music and uh you know very tongue-in-cheek honest writing i would implore you to check out the record and show a friend and you know i really just want to see where this thing goes you know yeah yeah no i like i said earlier man i i'm really digging it um i think you've got this this isn't me blowing smoke up your ass because i have no reason to tell you something that's not true uh i really think that you've got kind of this like tyler posey-esque thing going on right now where that it's a little bit of a callback to some of that nostalgia but it's still new age enough there's a lot of you know current themes and and sounds in it and i think it's really easy for people to digest your music and truly be able to take it in Um, thank you yeah so really excited to see where things go for you uh i'm just over in indiana so not that far away from you if maybe there's an ohio date or something on these upcoming tours we can yeah yeah we'll be there there in the spring for sure yeah awesome it's already booked i believe sweet so yeah Uh, we'll we'll stay posted on that then and um yeah i'll keep you posted on when this goes live and everything like that but i'm stoked for you man Thank you, man. Dude, it was great to meet you. Great talking to you. Yeah, same for you, man. I appreciate your time. I'm going to uh, go grab dinner, I think, and uh, just chill for the rest of the night. Cool, cool, man. No no asparagus. Yeah, no. Fuck asparagus. <laughs> fuck asparagus, dude. <laughs>
<laughs> all right, man. I appreciate it. I'll be in touch for sure. All right. All right. Cheers, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right. See you. Take care. And that was my conversation with Charlie of the band Floor Space. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Huge shout out to him for taking the time to have that conversation with me. Um, as always, you know, I'll link all his social medias and things like that. Go check out the new album, Maybe This Is It. Um, let him know on Instagram or wherever you're connecting with him. Um, kind of how the music impacts you. You know, we talked a lot about artists enjoying hearing that the songs made a difference. And that doesn't need, mean that you need to tell your whole story or, you know, whatever you're not comfortable with. Um, it just means that even saying that, you know, we would like to thank you for putting out this song. It really helped me through a tough time. That's that's more than enough for a lot of these artists in that that means that you cared enough to not only let their music affect you, hopefully in a very positive way, but it meant so much to you that you needed to tell them that it did. So, uh, again, huge conversation. Uh, conversation with him huge shout out to him for having the conversation and i want you guys to keep an eye on his social media they've got tours that are going to be coming up in early 2024 we couldn't talk about them yet obviously uh but definitely want to have that on the radar for you guys you know i'll probably have charlie on again a little closer or maybe right after the announcements um but Go check out Maybe This Is It. Let Charlie know what you think about it. Also, um, you know, since we're talking about fucking vegetables, especially there uh, towards the end of that conversation, we're in the fuck asparagus gang. So let me know in the Q&A on Spotify what your least favorite vegetable is. Um, and I'm going to make sure that Charlie knows that. And maybe, who knows, maybe a merch line will come out with these different, you know, fuck different vegetables. I don't know. We'll figure something out. Um, that's everything I've got for you guys. As always, be sure that you go over to the You Make the Scene, Facebook, uh, Instagram, wherever you're streaming this. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, and follow all the free shit. You know, that does help tremendously. Uh, on Instagram, obviously Charlie's going to be tagged in the post when this episode goes live. So in the comments of the Instagram as well, let Charlie know what vegetables he should try, what ones he shouldn't try. Um, and let's just, you know, see what we can rattle there. So that's everything I've got for you guys on this episode. Thank you so much for everything that you do and all the support that you've given. Um... Also, be sure that you go check out the Musicians for Mental Health podcast. I do have some new episodes coming up on there as well. Um, and yeah, there's just, you know, a different, different set of conversations happening on that podcast. So let's uh, just remember to take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.